0: This week, Ice-T explores the beautiful Washington wilderness. Too bad he's being hunted by man as the most dangerous game in surviving the game. So bury your dog and check your barrel. It's a kind of garbage movie edition. Alright, so this week we watched a 90s action thriller that I had seen in parts growing up on cable. And uh, I decided to show it to you, Adam. So what uh, what did you think of Surviving the Game?
1: I thought Surviving the Game was a very fun movie. Lots of nice action scenes remind me of other movies that we've talked about that you probably don't want me to talk about again. No, please.
0: Uh, it reminds me of The Pest. It has, so it has <laughs> similarities, so go ahead and, and talk about... Uh, the john uh john legazamo his 90s movie the past
1: yeah before we do that i just want to tell people that we recorded for what 15 minutes i think
0: and just talked about john claude van damme
1: just talked about john claude van damme john legazamo for a bit and then we realized that there was a buzzing in the back so we had to start over again which is fine you didn't miss anything
0: so now we're going to give a quick five minute synopsis (laughs) of <laughs> um, John Leguizamo versus Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: So The Pest versus Hard Target. This is this is both movies mixed into one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so in The Pest, John Leguizamo is being hunted by a German hunter who is racist and wants one of every ethnicity of human for his collection. If I remember the movie right, I could be wrong.
0: Okay, and in Hard Target, a woman hires Jean-Claude Van Damme to track down her homeless father who it turns out had been roped into an underground bum fights bum fights basically where hunters chase him through New Orleans to if he survives he gets money and if he doesn't survive that's it but then we also discussed how every John Claude Van Damme movie you can just shuffle the titles and it doesn't have any confusion to the movie. Except,
1: like, except for Time Cop. Time, Time Cop, Cop yeah. is
0: very specific. Time Cop is on the nose. But Did I ever Hard, tell you hard <laughs> Target could easily be called Bloodsport. And you would go, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Did I ever tell you that I thought Brandon Lee was in Time Cop 2? Is he not? It's not Brandon Lee. Who is it? I don't know. Brandon Lee was dead oh. at the crow. <laughs>
0: What is that actor's name? But he's in the Kurt Russell movie, Soldier, isn't he? Oh, I don't, I love, I have Soldier on TV. I love Soldier. Yeah.
1: What's, what's that actor's name? I don't know. All right. Brandon Chow.
0: No, I think it's something Lee.
1: It might be. I I thought it was Brandon Lee.
0: All right. So, surviving the game opens up. We have a, a little montage shot going on that cuts in between hunters chasing what you assume is like a deer in the wilderness. So, you kind of have that aspect of like hunting, gathering for food. And then we have shots of iced tea kind of shuffling through back alleys, looking through dumpsters for cigarettes and
1: dumpster diving, dumpster diving. He grabs a, I think it was a peach and just like eats part of it. And I'm just like, oh, it was fucking gross. Yeah.
0: But it just kind of shows like how desperate he is. So you kind of have uh, opposing shots of how people hunt and harvest their food. And then... I just he did not eat any rats. No, he didn't. I think that would have been a little too far. It ends with the hunters ignoring the deer and then shooting a human that's running through the woods. Which kind of sets up that it might not just be hunting for food. It might be hunting for sport. So this movie is supposed to take place in Seattle
1: did they establish that? I don't no. even remember.
0: Later on, like at the end of the movie, it says, meanwhile, it's like, meanwhile, in or three weeks or three days later in Seattle. And it's like, oh, okay. Cause you kind of don't know, like, are we in Montana? Like, cause they take a plane ride and they're in the middle of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's, it's Washington state, but apparently the movie was parts of it were shot in Philadelphia. And then other parts were shot in Washington state, but none of this movie is shot in Seattle, which is actually like a city. Because when it shows, like, the downtown city where he's Ice-T's homeless in, it's, like, the most small town. Like, it's not, it's clearly not a city. It establishes Ice-T has, like, a friend who helps him out, and he also has a pet dog. Early on in the movie, I think it's right after the opening, right after that, Ice-T's dog runs out into the street. Ice-T's character's name's Mason. So Mason's dog runs out into the street and gets hit by a cab. They're hot on Mason's tail. So it's the one's
1: first dog. Fucking baby boomer's dying. <laughs> I listened to one podcast. It doesn't exist anymore, but <laughs> the guy's like, oh, fuck, there's gunshots outside. <laughs> <laughs> and he's living like, he's like, I don't live in a good area.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Mason's dog gets hit by a car. Taxi. It is a taxi. And then the taxi driver like, immediately blames Mason and starts punching Mason.
1: He's like, I want the money, because the, the woman who pops out of it, she's like, i it. He's like, where's my $16 for the fare? Yeah. And then him and Mason
0: get in a fight. He's like, what
1: do you want me to do?
0: Yeah, so it just kind of shows, like, how defeated the Ice-T. And I actually like Ice-T in this movie. Like, I don't know, good on him. Like, I think... Yeah, he picked up a role. He did well. There's one thing I could change about the character is that,
1: we'll get into it later, he cuts his hair, but... And someone's like, Oh, you cut your hair
0: I'm like But he doesn't really cut No, your he eyes. doesn't
1: I'm like Oh yeah like he made his dreads a little bit smaller, I guess just not in his eyes. Yeah. But he presents himself so well later on in the movie as just like as a human yeah which we'll get into that instead of a homeless person yeah Because they're different in this movie
0: yeah like this movie actually does a good job of like establishing that he's homeless but just because he's homeless doesn't mean like he automatically has uh like he's dehumanized it just shows him as like a guy who's really down on his luck and defeated and he's got like a pretty tragic backstory that we'll get into Ice tea does good, so it, like, the movie opens right up with his dog dying and he's immediately blamed for the death of his dog which it's not his fault and he can't even really stick up for himself like the guy punches him and he's just like are you happy now like there you go it was interesting because the cabbie says to him is this your dog and he goes no he's my
1: friend yeah he's my friend because the dog might not be his like i don't even know yeah. if it is his pet dog it's just a dog hangs out in the alleys yeah. with spawn and the max
0: <laughs> the other alley superheroes <laughs> so then uh ice tea takes the dog and goes and buries it in a junkyard. And then we have a, a couple of scenes of Ice-T being homeless with, like, his homeless buddy, who's this, like, old war vet. His name is Hank. Hank. Hank the war vet.
1: I find that in movies, especially this one, um, at the beginning, most homeless people have, like, camo fatigues on. Like, they're all veterans, which is a yeah. real thing in the States where yeah, yeah, a lot sure. of homeless
0: people are vets. So, yeah we set up that, you know, Mason's lost his dog, he's down on his luck. As he's kind of going through dumpsters with this other guy looking for, you know, food or supplies or whatever they need just to survive, Mason finds uh, a handgun that's uh, been thrown in the garbage. So as Mason's getting like seeing the handgun, and he's like, I could sell this for, you know, 20, I think he says, I could sell this for $20, no problem. The vet character, Hank, is like, you always check the barrel of a gun before you pick it up, or before you fire it or anything, always check the barrel, because if the barrel's jammed, it's dangerous. And then Mason's like, oh, okay, I'll remember that. So then Mason and Hank, they end up, what is it, like a butcher shop or or something? They end up breaking into a place to steal meat. And then the security guard finds them and starts, like, roughing them up. And then Mason scares off the security guard. And then it cuts to back at the scrapyard where they all live. Mason's turned a shopping cart into a grill. So Which is amazing yeah, it's actually smart so he's tipped a shopping cart on its side and then he's got like some scraps of wood burning inside the shopping cart and then he's just got like this huge ham hock like just sizzling on the side of the cart like
1: a grill when they go to when they go to steal the meat um hank says to mason he's like there's dogs in there and then mason goes there's no dogs and the railway's like bark 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 yeah <laughs> and you're like, and when he comes with the meat, he's like, he has another piece of meat to the dog. And then he's yeah, just he, walking. He's like, look what I got. We're going to eat like kings.
0: Yeah. So it's like a little victory for Mason and Hank, which is nice. So they end up getting away. And then they're having dinner with the homeless, like all the homeless people who live in the area with like almost like a tent city. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because it's like it's it, it's it, it's interesting. But then like there's kind of some things like they're eating. They're eating using like forks and knives and plates. Yeah. And then I saw sides on some of the plates like someone stole potato salad <laughs> and brought it to the homeless barbecue, which all right, we'll forgive that. But Mason, someone says thanks to Mason or ask him. I think they ask him a question about his past and then Mason just kind of walks away. And then Hank's like, oh, don't worry about him. He just kind of doesn't get along with people. So cut to the next day. Mason's walking down the street. And there's a mission. Before that, yeah. what happens when he wakes up? Oh, no. Yeah, you, you forgot <laughs> already. Forgot. Someone had a little too much pork. <laughs> okay. And uh, Hank doesn't wake up. He's dead. He's dead. So Mason wakes up and is like talking to Hank, being like, all right, Hank, another... Another shitty day to go through dumpsters. And Hank, clearly, the actor clearly, he's clearly breathing. breathing. It's like, yeah. So the sh- it's a, it's like that shot where at the bottom of the frame you can see part of what's supposed to be Hank's sleeping body, and then the audience realizes with Mason, like, oh, he's he's not waking up. But as you're watching it, like the audience, you're actually seeing like the the actor playing Hank just taking deep breaths getting ready to hold his breath for when Ice-T comes over and goes, he's not breathing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He already was breathing. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) You can see him like...
1: (gasps) I think it's amazing that Ice-T doesn't report his death. Instead, he just digs a hole beside the hole he put his dog in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then dumps the body, what, like in a back alley? Yeah, in the scrapyard. So Hank's buried in the scrapyard. Later on that day, he's walking around. Charles S. Dutton is working for a mission and he's handing out like lunch bags, and he says to Ice Tea, "Like, what's the matter? Don't you want don't you want free food or whatever?" And Ice is just kind of like, at this point, he's like really defeated. The Charles S. Dutton character kind of like, uh oh, it, it's also kind of set up that like Ice Tea's being watched during the day.
1: Yeah, he's been watching him. The yeah, whole he's time, been which watching him.
0: Very weird. So he ends up offering him help, which he turns down. And then finally he gives him a business card and goes, well, if you don't want free help, why don't you help yourself? This guy's looking for work. So he ends up going to the office building of the business, like the business card with the address on it.
1: We missed an, another thing be, that happened before that. What? Ice-T was going to end his life by walking in, fr- oh in my front of a dumpster truck.
0: Yeah, Ice-T was going to walk in front of a transport truck and then Charles S. and saves him. He that. tackles
1: him and he goes, just call me O.J.
0: <laughs> he doesn't say that. <laughs> they call me the Juice.
1: Did you know that? I didn't know that. the reason why O.J. was called the Juice I thought it was because he was, like, taking steroids. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, OJ's orange juice. And then it's yeah. so, like, yeah, I realized that. I think it was last month, which is... <laughs> oh, Jesus, Adam. I didn't know. It's like, what the fuck do they call him the... G-? Oh, my God. OJ. O-J. J- Jesus Christ. Yeah, that
0: was... <laughs> the juice. Right over my head. The juice is loose. <laughs> So that's how they meet, and then he gives him a business card. He goes to the address on it, and it introduces the Rutger Hauer character, who's like this really sleazy, like, 90s businessman. But his office and his wardrobe looks like they went to a Goodwill, and they're like, pick out stuff that, like, a very modern modernist 90s business person would have. I don't know. It also kind of looks like there was either like a costume designer or set designer or maybe even Rutger Hauer was like, do you know what would make my villain stand out? Because every villain needs like something quirky to stand out. He's like, I want to hold a parrot the entire time. That's a great little game to play when you're watching like any of these movies is whenever it is, it establishes the villain. Watch what stupid thing the villain's doing. That's like his little, not even gimmick. But, like, the villain, when it introduces them, he, like, I don't know what it is, if it's a 90s thing or if it started in the 80s. I'd love to know where this originated. They're always, like, eating an apple. They're in a flower, like, they're doing, like, a hobby and they're talking about something evil while they're doing, like, a very... There's, like, a movie from the 90s where the guy's literally talking about, like, hiring a hitman. And the whole time he's doing it, he's, like, tending, like, a rose garden. It must, they're always doing something so non-threatening. Yes.
1: That it makes them look more menacing.
0: Yeah, which I get that. Like, the contrast. At this point, it had gotten so goofy. Like, Rutger Hauer is, like, so secretly my character is recruiting homeless people To take them to the woods for for me to have a hunting party, hunt them. That's how menacing I am. And it's like, okay, I also want a contradictory thing just to like really like bump up the contrast. And it's like, okay, what do you want? And he's like, I want a giant red parrot. I want an absolutely enormous tropical bird in my office. And then when I talk to people, I just want to pick up the bird and like not address it. Like, by the way, this is my bird. (laughs) And it's weird, too,
1: because where the office is, you pull up to this building broken windows, and you're like, he's going to a dilapidated building. And then once you get inside of this man's office, like, the office is nice. His windows aren't broken, so clearly...
0: Yeah, it's like, his office is, like, this open concept on the top floor of a factory. And then he's like, what do you do? And he's like, I organize hunting parties. And immediately Ice-T is like, okay, why would you hire a homeless person who lives in the streets? And he's like, "You can be our new hunting guide."
1: What? Ice T starts smoking. Then he says, "Like, oh no, we we want someone who's fit, who can run, who can keep yeah. up with us." So Ice T's like, "I can run." Is he offered twenty dollars to he, run? He
0: says, uh, "He goes, if you want to see me run, I'll." He goes, "I'll run on your treadmill." So he goes, "I'll give you twenty dollars if you can run on this treadmill for thirty minutes." And then Ice T says, "If you give me twenty dollars, I'll run to fucking Alaska." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Keep this up for half an hour, I'll we'll
0: give you twenty bucks. For twenty bucks, I'll run the fucking Alaska. <laughs> Which
2: is
1: so funny. <laughs> he just he just needs the money.
0: Yeah, he runs for a bit, and then I guess Ruhrhauer is just standing there <laughs> watching yeah. him run. The
1: the timer goes off. It's like beep beep beep. Yeah. And Ice T is running on the spot. Yeah.
0: So it's just a little montage of Ice T jogging on the spot. He's
1: just fucking dying at the end he's yeah like, i did it see smokers can do anything
0: gotta believe
1: he takes his money gets the business card Badman, mr howard asks ice t where is he gonna be and ice t tells him go to this motel ice t walks in gets a room for the night and then proceeds to like clean himself up but as he's walking into the room the clerk tells him he's like you better wash your ass before you go into that bed clean sheet
2: hey before you get in that bed you wash your nasty ass boy Make sure you wash your next ass.
0: Yeah so he says where can I find you and he says the nicest hotel in town and it's like it's a it's a complete dive and then he wants a room with like a TV he just wants to relax for like a night and not be on the streets TV doesn't work TV doesn't work so he listens to the radio he got a bottle I think it was a bottle of wine or a bottle of scotch or something and he just like does all the things that like he doesn't have in his life anymore so like he has privacy he has a bath he gets clean he gives himself a haircut cut gives himself
1: a um handlebar mustache yeah it
0: gives himself a nice mustache sleeps in a bed
1: like on top of the bed he doesn't even pull the sheets yeah
0: so the next morning rucker finds him says he bought him some clothes and then he's like all right we're flying out like come with me so the next shot is an airplane flying over the wilderness iced teas looking out the window and then they're kind of slowly dropping a bit more hints about what's actually to come
1: once they get to the woods like into the mountain areas i was expecting a golden retriever a pit bull and a little cat to walk by them i think <laughs> i don't even know what the time frame of, of homeward bound would be compared to this movie <laughs>
0: Homeward Bound, but they're literally over. like
1: yeah they're literally in the homeward bound setting yeah like just mountains waterfalls and then a cabin in the woods
0: so they land, and then Ice-T starts unloading the plane and kind of doing his thing. They're trying to get a pig that they've brought on the plane off. They're unloading a pig, and then another plane lands with the rest of the people that will be staying at the hunting lodge.
1: I like how Ice-T thought that they were going to release the pig into the wilderness, then hunt it.
0: Yeah, so yeah, Ice-T's <laughs> like, so this is what you guys hunt? And they're like, no. And there's no. Like, like, are like, are you
1: stupid? <laughs> we we'll release a pig into the woods where there's, like, mountain lions and pumas.
0: We're now introduced to the rest of the cast of the movie. So we have F. Murray, Abraham. His uh, his character is a father who's, like, a he's a businessman who is bringing his son. And then uh, there's also...
1: Wants to make a real man out of him. Yeah.
0: So he's brought his son on this hunting trip. And then there's also Gary Boosie. Is there. Did for... you say
1: Gary Boosie? Yeah. Gary Busey,
0: Boosie, Boosie. Boosie. Uh, Gary Boosie's here, obviously, because oh. there needs to be an insane person.
1: But he's, he's not even the insane one of the group. John yeah. C. McGinley is the insane one of the group. Yeah,
0: and then John C. McGinley. So this is kind of where this movie falls apart, is it introduces the rest of the hunters. And instead of coming up where each hunter has like an individual gimmick... They all just have the same gimmick. Like they're yeah. they're all crazy.
1: I really want this movie to be remade with um there's six hunters. So I want it to be Adam Sandler, Kevin James.
0: This this honestly, this would be an amazing happy Madison movie. Yeah.
1: This if you had like those those guys basically from grown ups. Yeah. And who are they hunting? Kevin Hart.
0: Yeah, I would surprise me if that movie isn't being made. <laughs> It introduces all these characters, so there's F. Murray Abraham, and then his son, Gary Boosie, John C. McGinley, Charles S. Dutton's there, Rutger Howard's there. Each character kind of gets a little bit of a minute as they're introduced to Mason to kind of show who they are. And I don't know how the hell they didn't pick up on this, but they all basically, like, portray the same character. And it's not like they're all, like, oh, they're all, like, you know, cut from the same cloth or anything. They all have different jobs. They all have different backgrounds. But then it's, like, what's their actual character trait? They're all kind of, like, these loose cannon guys who, like, want to portray, like, this alpha male hunter mentality. I don't know. It it would have been nice if some of them would have just been a little different.
1: The only, like, obviously the kid was 100% different from them because he... Yeah. The dad, uh, Mr. Wolf, uh, Derek Wolf is trying to get his son become a man. Like this is Yeah. You have to see that these people aren't like But like those that... people aren't real people, so we can hunt them.
0: Yeah, so they don't know you you don't know yet that they're going to hunt uh Ice T and Ice T doesn't know that yet. I would
1: assume that you would know from the beginning of the movie.
0: Yes. Okay, fair enough. So Mason <laughs> isn't aware yet that he's being hunted. The wolf character, he's brought his son because he's like killing something like hunting a man or killing a man is going to like promote you. It's going to like make you cross the threshold into manhood. They talk to Gary Boosie and Gary Boosie gives this little speech about how his dad forced him to kill his like family dog to make him a man. And it's like that's the exact same like you're you're giving your characters like identical backgrounds. You know what I mean? Which is kind of goofy. The only one who really does anything with it, like Gary Busey Rutger Hauer, Charles S. Dutton, are all the exact same character. They're all like, I work for the government. I, I'm kind of like this survivalist type character where I want to live in the woods and I want to be like the pre- like the alpha predator of the woods and all this other stuff, and I and I want to like remove culture and society from my world and i just want to live like a weird secluded life and it's like that's three character, and it's not three different characters with something in common it's the same character three times so whenever they interact it's they're just interacting with themselves and it's like super awkward but the john c mcginley character actually has like a, a reason why he's there that you find out And then instead of being, like, super friendly to Mason, like, John C. McGinley, like, does not hide the fact that he's like, I paid $50,000 to come to the woods and kill a man because I'm working out some really weird issues. And, like, he's just staring at Mason and eventually Mason is just like, why are you fucking staring at me? But no one else does this. Like, the four other like the other characters are super nice to Mason and they keep dropping these like innuendos about like Mason's like so when's the big hunt and then they're like oh believe me you won't miss it and it's like they're all doing it and it's kind of like this is dumb really? it would it would have been nice if they all had a different gimmick or a different reason like if one of them was a serial killer and then one of them was a uh, well, I guess they would all be serial killers or sociopaths, but it would have been neat if one of them, like, was a professional hunter who's hunted everything except man, and then one of them was, like, like the John C. McGinley character where, like, he's, like, actively going out looking for the man who killed his daughter, and, and you have, like, different reasons why they're all participating in the hunt, but they all have the same reason, and it just is, like... Well, now you just have redundant characters. Yeah. Like, they're not doing anything. Busey was a
1: psychiatrist, and he was talking about how his dad bombed a dog, and he would, like, throw firecrackers at the dog to, yeah. to make it fear the firecrackers. But after a while, that the firecrackers just made the dog aggressive towards whoever did it. And then his dad took him out into a cabin in the woods and told him, like, throw the firecracker at the dog. It's, you and the dog are going to go
2: in. One's going to come out alive. The you other know, one's going to be dead. I followed my dad, and we went around a clump of trees. There's a little corral built. There's Prince Henry Stout chained in the middle of the corral. My dad took out a pocket full of cherry bombs and put them in my hand and said, get in the corral. Here's a lighter. I want you to light those cherry bombs and throw them at the prince. You're going to face manhood. You're going to fight that dog to the death. He's going to kill you, or you're going to kill him. Now! He was on me. He was on me like flies on shit. I had no chance. I got my arm up between his teeth and my neck. Whomp! Went down in the mud, rolled over, rolled over. That dog is fighting and biting and scratching and kicking. And I'm screaming and crying. I'm grabbing him around the head. I stand up. Fall with my weight on it. Here's neck break. He's dead. He's not breathing. He's not yelping. He's not biting. I'm covered with blood. I stand up. I wipe the blood off. I lick it. My dad says, welcome to manhood.
1: So, like, as a kid, he had to murder his own dog to become a
0: man. So. But that's, like, that's what I mean, though, is, like, the wolf character is doing that with his son. He's, like, I'm taking my son out into the woods, and I'm going to make him commit murder to, like, take away his innocence and make him... But John C. McGinley wants to get that murder first. Oh, John C. McGinley is losing his mind. He has his puffer ready, and he's... Yeah, he's got debilitating asthma, and every time they see Mason in the woods, he's, like, he's mine,
1: mine, that's mine. (laughs) So, they all have dinner... Um, that, that you get to know some of the characters a little bit. Yeah. But then they go to bed and they wake up Mason being like, Hey, and they basically say like, Hey, here's, here's the plot to the movie. Get the fuck out. We're going to hunt you after we finish eating our meal in the morning.
0: So they all have hunting rifles and shotguns and crossbows and stuff. And then um, they tell Mason to like hit the road. So this is kind of this bounces back to like the whole redundant character thing, because it would have been nice if the characters you, so we cut to Mason running in the woods, then we cut back to the cabin and they're eating breakfast. And there's obviously the contrast of like Mason's running for his life and these guys are literally like just sitting there drinking coffee and like, you know, saying good morning to each other. But instead of having one character sitting there and drinking his coffee and being like, what a beautiful day. And then there, there is the one the John C. McGinley character is running around, like losing his mind, being like, come on, guys, come on. Like we gave him we, we gave him 15 minutes. That's more than anyone needs. Let's get him. Let's get him. Okay, you have a character do that, and then you also have a character who's, like, the quiet loner character, like, clean his gun or pack his bag. And then you have, like, another guy who's, like, a a sociopath who's doing, like, whatever ritual he does before he kills someone. You have him do that. And then you have the cold, calculated one eat his breakfast and drink his coffee and then give a monologue about how... He misses newspapers? Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, no, he goes... I don't read the newspaper. There's too much ugliness in the newspaper. I love being in nature where it's just beautiful things.
1: The other guy um, said that he misses the sports page. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So what? Yeah. So like you end up having this redundancy where you have some of the characters showing how their character prepares for the hunt. But then you have Charles S. Dutton, Rutger Hauer, and Gary Boosie all doing the exact same thing, but it's not shown as it's something they have in common. It's just shown as it's the same character that either could have been condensed into one character or their characters needed different traits to make them stand out.
1: They could have shrank the payroll to this movie by,
0: yeah, making a few
1: characters the same. Keep the recruiter, the guy from the soup kitchen, keep... Rucker Howard's character. Did I say his name right? Yeah. Yeah. Keep his character because he's the one who organizes it. Yeah.
0: Um, but then, like, they don't need Gary Busey Or no,
1: Gary. They do not need whatsoever.
0: And then, get and then spoiler alert: Gary checks out pretty early in this oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. And
1: I think maybe that's why he was there. McGinley, he has a purpose in the movie.
0: Yeah, and then uh, the son has a purpose. The son is like the the wolf's son is like the moral compass of the group. Like he's the guy who's questioning everything. And then obviously you have the conflict of him and his father. The father wants him to do one thing and he wants to do the other. So they have their own little arc going on, but three characters are just the exact same character. Like the three, three characters are holding the parrot in this movie. Like they're doing the goofy thing where um, they're talking about killing someone but then they need the contrast to show how calculating they are. Mm-hmm. So they need to do something very calm and non-threatening. So over breakfast, you have a couple characters doing something to develop the character and show traits that the character has. And then three of them are all doing... They're talking about nothing and sipping coffee. and its But they're not even interacting. They're just doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. The Gary Busey character you could get rid of. John C. McGinley's character and the son, you could merge them into one. But get rid of that trait of John C. McGinley being, like, anxious and wanting to go.
0: Yeah. But I i think that I i, I liked the John C. McGinley character be- I guess, like, because he had a reason.
1: All, all the characters have a purpose of being there. It's just... I think the purpose of them being there was to pad the movie longer to make an hour and a half. Because I think this was an oh, hour for and thirty-eight sure. minutes yeah. with credits.
0: But I think it's just it's a, like a creativity thing where when you do it's like a it's like Murder on the Orient Express where it's like okay, there's been a murder and there's ten suspects or however many suspects. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, I haven't.
0: Okay, but but the the gimmick to that is that. There's been a murder, the detective has to interrogate 10 people with 10 different motives and 10 different alibis. Yeah. And then the the entire movie is like how those characters relate. But all 10 of those characters are different characters with different backgrounds, different motives. You know what I mean? This movie, even though this is like 90s trash, it needs to be like Murder on the Orient Express where all of the characters have a different... Like... Everyone who's participating in the hunt has a different motive and a different, they need to have a different background as to how they got to where they are and a different motive as to what's driving them to want to kill someone in the woods. Two of them have it and three of them are the exact same character. So Mason's running in the woods. Breakfast is finally over. They chase Mason in the woods.
1: They all jump on ATVs or motorcycles. Yeah. And everybody but the kid is like, "Whoa." like yeah. they're literally just all screaming like let's get him and then they all become expert trackers because mm-hmm. even without really showing it they're like J- it's just dialogue i see his tracks and and then that's how they they hunt him basically yeah
0: so they're they're following like
1: as someone who watches survivor man and yeah. like those nature shows i'm just like eh, i guess like you can get away with it it's yeah. a movie whatever but like he could go any way he has boots on sure like i understand yeah. that but at the same time
0: they're chasing him they pick, up a, they pick up his tracks and they're chasing him. And then John C. McGinley's character thinks he sees him. So they all get super excited and they all like dismount their vehicles and then try to corner who they think they're hunting. Spoiler, like John C. McGinley hasn't seen him. He's just so ramped up that he thinks he sees him. So as they're talking about this, the Charles S. Dutton character is kind of like... And this is another thing about how the the hunters interact with one another. They kind of look at each other. They'll say, hey, and then they kind of read each other's minds. Like they're on the same page so much and it kind of does a disservice to the movie because it would have been better if the hunters argued or if the hunters talked to each other and then came to a conclusion as to what's going on.
1: Oh, they, they all know that they like need to kill each other as well, that they're all just getting each other's way.
0: Yeah, well, th- well, there's that. But, I mean, Charles S. Dutton looks at Rutger Hauer and goes, you don't think he... And then Rutger Hauer goes, yep. And then um, Gary Boosie goes, you know, none of them have done that before. And it's all three of them kind of... And normally that would have it would kind of show that these characters have done this a lot in the past and that these characters are very tight. But I think like what I said earlier about like these characters just being mirrors, just mirrors of each other, that it kind of is like boring. It would have been more interesting if the hunters actually sat down and like, you know what I mean, had to figure it out. So anyways, they realize that Mason has doubled back. He's like double backed and he's made it all the way back to the cabin. So now they're like, oh, this guy isn't one of the normal guys we hunt. This guy's smarter. So Mason's back at the cabin and he's trying to break into a locked door to see if there's like guns or supplies. So once he gets the door open, what's inside, Adam? President
1: Nixon's head from Futurama. <laughs> it's uh, President... It's it's just glass jars of all the heads.
0: With nameplates. With
1: nameplates of all the, I guess, the homeless people that they've killed. And a special spot that already has Mason's name on it as well. And he's just like, oh, fuck that. He proceeds to grab canisters of gasoline. Douses the entire cabin. And at that point, once he's basically done um, getting it ready to set it on fire... All the hunters come back, and they're all like, Mason, where are you? They put little beer balls on their fingers, like, come out and play.
0: (laughs) So they know Mason's in the cabin, so they start, like, taunting him. And then Mason is climbing out a window, and as they get close to Mason, he throws a lighter into the house and burns down the cabin while they're in it.
1: Where we get an amazing scene of Busey with the knife realizing Mason's at the back. And
0: he bursts
1: through the door. he
0: explodes through a door.
1: And the scene's probably like, it's half a second, but it's the cameraman is at the bottom of the steps for the back door. And it's just Busey runs out yelling. I think he just yells Mason. He's like, Mason, he has a knife in front of him sideways running at the camera. And I'm sure in the theaters when this was out, all 27 people who went and saw it. Spilt their popcorn because it, it like it's a it's a jump scare for oh for sure a movie that isn't like a horror movie
0: yeah Gary Boosie fights Mason at the back of the cabin and then a really
1: p- pissy like bitchy fight like it's
0: yeah it's kind of. It's not great. It, it, it gets a little bit better towards the end of the fight. Yeah,
1: this but one, the director probably said, J- just struggle for a bit with yeah, each other. And just wrestle. There was no um, choreography on what they no. were doing. It was just, yeah, it was it was a bum fight.
0: Yeah, so they're fighting, and then one of the other hunters inside is like trapped in the fire. So they the other hunters kind of stage a rescue for him. So they start getting him out of the fire. And now the fight at the back kind of picks up. And Mason, Gary Boosie's going to throw Mason back into the fire. And then he's like, Mason's like, don't throw me in the fire. <laughs> and then Gary Boosie's like, I like, I like my meat raw or rare. And then he pulls him out. And then Mason goes, I like mine well done. And then he kicks him into he kicks him back into the cabin.
2: I like my meat rare. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> well
0: done bitch gary Busey falls backwards into the shelves of all the f- heads in formaldehyde and then once they like hit the ground and open up they all catch on fire and explode and then the cabin just explodes yeah and,
1: and you never see gary Busey again no he's, he's dead he's gone you know they the other hunters like where did i don't even know what his character's name is like where did he go yeah and they don't even like look for his body it's like oh i guess he's dead and that's where you see mason like Just, like, having, like, a a good jog back into the woods. (laughs) Mason runs back into the trees. And the wolf kid just, like, there he goes. Just sits there and watches him, doesn't say anything to everybody. Mm -hmm. One of the hunters goes kid, did you fucking see which way he went? I think the kid just, like, looked one way. It's like, that's where he went.
0: Yeah. So they go and track him down again. So they track him down. And then uh, they end up chasing him through the woods up into, uh... This is where he's in the cliff, right?
1: Yeah, he's, um...
0: Because he's always running up yeah. somewhere. So which... Eventually, he just hits the edge of a cliff, and he looks down, and there's like a river. They corner him, and then they, he just jumps into the river. Now Mason's got, like, he survives, and he's got a little bit of a head start on the hunters now. Yeah. So now we actually have a bit of a breathing point. where I, th- I think that's
1: the first point where you get to see John C. McGinley's puffer, where he's just like, yeah. Don't take my shot! I had him! And he pulls it out. <laughs>
0: So John C. McGinley has an asthma attack. Uh, Rudger Hauer is kind of like taking charge of the hunt again. And he's telling them like he's in the woods alone. It's almost nighttime. The river only flows one way. We know which way he's going. Like, why are you guys getting excited? Like, this is all part of the hunt and this is part of the thrill. Like, this is what you paid for.
1: That's where they track him based on a smell. Mason has taken six cigarettes and put them in two different spots and lit them. So all the hunters go one way, sniffing, then John C. McGinley goes the other way. And the soup kitchen guy sees him and he's just like, I told you he was a good one, didn't I? And they're like excited that they were tricked by him.
2: A tree smoking a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) I told you this guy was good.
1: You didn't believe me, did you? And then when John C. McGinley sees it, sees it on the path that he wants, he gets mad, hits his cigarettes down. He hears a twig break, looks up. It's just Mason just falls feet he, first like, into jumps his face. Yeah, yeah, just drops him out, drop kicks
0: him, and then yeah, he's kidnapped John C. McGinley now. So he carries John C. McGinley up into a cave and has him tied up. And all the hunters have like little headsets so they can stay in touch. So this is the point where. <laughs> Now, uh, Mason has a hostage, he has a gun, and he has a radio. So he gets on the radio and kind of starts taunting the other guys. So as they're listening to him, they're kind of, this is one of the better scenes. They start, the hunters start putting their heads together to be like, where is he? What's he doing? And they're like, well, he has a hostage, so we know he's dragging someone and he's not far, and it's almost nighttime, so he's probably going to try to find a place to make shelter for the night and they see a cave in the distance on the side of a cliff so they're like i bet he's in there let's just hang out oh the cave is also lit up well when, when the, yeah when the sun goes down they see the fire and they're like we know where mason is so their plan is they're gonna let mason stay up all night watching his hostage and like watching the entrance to the cave and then when he's tired they'll go in and start to hunt him in the morning
1: yeah, he basically tells John C. McGinley, like, I'm not going to kill you. Like, I'm not like you. Yeah, so he, him, him he and John C. John... C. McGinley's granola bars.
0: Yeah, so him and John C. McGinley have this, like, little heart-to-heart where they realize they actually have stuff in common. And then Ice-T's just kind of like, you lost your daughter, I get it, but, like, what the hell are you going to get? Like, you're not going to gain anything by, like, trying to get vengeance on random people in the woods. So John C. McGinley's kind of like, okay. So then Mason takes off into the night so the next morning when they plan their ambush of the cave when they go in it's just john c mcginley so he's hanging out there and then they cut him loose and ask him if he's okay and john c mcginley's like i'm better than okay i'm done I'm. I want to go back to the cabin. I want to get in a plane and I want to yeah. leave. He's like, like, I don't need this anymore. Like, I, I found my moment. I, like, I'm I'm cleansed. Yeah. He's like, I don't I don't have a need to get revenge on someone. Like Mason could have killed me, but he showed me mercy. So then he wants to leave, and Rutger Howard's like, that isn't how this works. Like, you're here till the end. So he's like, what are you gonna do? Kill me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So are you gonna shoot me in the back? And then as like John C McGinley's leaving, then uh, Rutger Howard goes, no. And he turns around and then the soup kitchen guy just shoots him in the head.
0: Yeah, then the soup kitchen guy gets him. That's right. So as they're doing that, Ice-T gets back on the radio and starts like mocking them. And then they realize he's close. So they look at a mountain ridge and you can see the glare from a rifle scope and then a gunshot. And they all take cover. And then they start to make fun of Ice-T for being like such a poor shot. Um, one he's using a shotgun he's using it, a he's using a shotgun and b there's no scope on his gun so there would be no reflection there would be no bright reflection from the lens of a scope so now mason's taking off into the woods and they're back hot on his trail
1: he leads them into like a little like a little river to the side yes. where they see his his uh, footprint they're like oh he doesn't think we'll follow him into the river
0: does he come yeah. on boys come on boys So they get in the river and they start following it downstream. And then Ice-T basically does the same trick again. He doubles back.
1: Yeah, he hides inside a log. He hides
0: inside a log. And when they pass, he gets out and then doubles back to where they've left the ATVs at the beach. Which gives us an amazing scene. Oh, this this is really good. So he ends up rigging the ignition coil on one of the ATVs into the gas tank. When they realize something's wrong and they go back to the ATVs, they see Mason, so they all run and jump on the ATVs to chase after him.
1: Mason steals one. He's literally six feet
0: away from Record tower.
1: Oh yeah, like they, they,
0: they could have shot him at any moment. Yeah,
1: he's within reach. Like you could have, if you ran, you would have been able to grab him. And he has his gun. He
0: doesn't lift it up. No, but that uh, he does. He. Sh- he shoots the tire at, yeah. of Mason's thing, but you see he could have shot him, but he chooses to shoot the tire, which is nice. It kind of establishes that like Rutger Hauer isn't doing this for the kill. Like this is all like... It's the adventurer, the excitement yeah, of it. Yeah, it's like all of this like weird perverse sport They're going to
1: kill him eventually, Yeah, but, but like, not wants, right now. He
0: wants to make sport of it. So uh soup kitchen guy gets on his ATV and goes to start it up and it just blows up and launches his body clear off the atv so rudger Hauer turns around to look at his buddy and he's just lying there in the woods with like no legs like no it's...
1: legs his yeah there's just bloody stumps sticking out oh yeah his neck is like there's like it's torn up he's bleeding everywhere but yeah oh yeah it was a great uh special effect where clearly they dug holes for him to like stand stick in, his legs in yeah <laughs> and then lay down and then they put prosthetic like all the stuff but like, the ground looked perfect you could you knew what the visual effect was.
0: But it looked it was well executed. Yeah, and, and it um, didn't like linger on it too long. Like it just showed enough where you're like, Oh, he got his legs blown off.
1: Next you have um Ruckard Hauer walking up to him and be like, It's okay. You did good. We're just gonna have to put you down. And then he just like shoves his like
0: fingertips under his neck and then Yeah, he does some like go- one of those like goofy like I know how to kill a man with two fingers moves. Like Whoa. And then kills him. <laughs> I think that
1: was the worst death. Yes, how he died. The injury was the best one. That was amazing.
0: Oh, it was it was awesome. So they're back on Mason's uh, tail, chasing him up a mountain. So Mason has a gun. He ends up getting to the top of like this mountain ridge and there's a big cliff and he's like I'm trapped again but this time there's no river underneath the cliff it's just a valley. So Mason sees this huge tree so Mason's like I know what I'll do I'll use the shotgun to shoot the tree and knock it over and make a bridge out of the tree to get to the other side. Which again is pretty genius, and it
1: works, and and it works. It goes down, but right away they, they can hear it and they know where he is. So they
0: they follow the gunshots and they see the tree. These hunters now are like, let's cross and find him. So they start crossing the bridge, and then Mason has done what he's done three times already in the movie, which is double back. Mason double backed and hid behind a bush. Hid behind a bush and then watch them climb the tree. So now these hunters are. Like a hundred feet in the air, thirty feet out on a cliff, on a cliff ledge, standing on like a tree trunk, and then Mason jumps out from behind a bush and starts throwing rocks at them.
1: Which I guess he used all of his
0: bullets. Like I'm. Yeah, he he, he used all of his bullets to knock the tree he's over. He's just
1: he's throwing rocks at them. It's Rucker Howard at the furthest side away, so he's furthest away. The kid in the middle, and the dad. I think he just climbed onto the tree. Yes. For some reason, the kid gets spooked by him. Yeah. And then he slips and he's just hanging on the tree being like, Dad, Dad, help me. And Ruckett Howard's just in there. I think he starts shooting at Mason because you can kind of see him. Yeah, he's,
0: he's got a gun and he's trying to shoot him.
1: He clips Mace, Mason in the shoulder. But then that's when the kid's just like, Dad, I can't hang on. And then he falls with an amazing blue screen effect of like yes. just... I guess they ran out of their money for this movie, and they're like, we have to do some blue screen shots, and they don't look good. No. But it's still, it still works, and the, the kid falls down, and then the dad looks up and goes, no!
0: But, but to me, blue screen, like, 90s blue screen shots of people falling off of cliffs and stuff like that, it's, they're, they're great. It's pizza. Like, when yeah. it's good, it's good, and when it's bad, it's still good. It's... Like, it's so... Even if you screw it up, it's just, it's so funny to watch. Yeah. And then you have like the scream of like, "Ah!"
1: So after that happens, there's really only two more scenes before the big finale. Yeah. Ruckert, Howard, and the dad decide to set up camp and wait till nighttime, and then
0: they realize that Mason is hunting them so they set up a camp and they basically want to lure Mason in which is where the the dad is like Mason I know you're out here come on and fight me like a man I'm unarmed and then he hears a twig snap and then he just fires oh. every bullet out of his gun. I know you're out there
2: Mason don't be afraid Mason Come up here like a man! Take a look, basically I got no gun! <gunshot> 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 <gunshot>
1: running around like the predator yeah like zipping and then eventually I even said to you it's like he's gonna be right behind him and then the dad turns around Mason has I think he has like mud on his face like he's yeah Mason's
0: camouflaged himself
1: yeah which he's already wearing like he can't be any more camouflaged than he already was but he is more him and the dad just wrestle in the woods for a while and even the dad like starts winning the fight eventually mason just snaps his neck just like crunch and you hear it and it's
0: great yeah oh it's it's a great fight yeah
1: and it's weird because rutger howard's watching them oh
0: Ru- rutger howard is totally like getting off on the fact he's that, probably like, just jerking off in the yeah. bush like looking them fight oh he's died yeah like, oh, i it, came <laughs> gross it's really set up the fact that like Ru- the whole time rutger Hauer is like he really wants this to be about the hunt and like he's really like
1: he could, have, he could have shot Mason how many times? Oh, a, bu- right there. a,
0: a bunch of times they yeah. could have killed Mason. And he chooses to like prolong the hunt, even even after other hunters have died. And then when um, the wolf character, the dad, when he's fighting Mason, Rutger Hauer is just like, I'm not going to take this from him. Like, I want to watch it. Mason wins the fight. And then Rutger Hauer just jumps on him on his motorcycle and then and takes he, off. He
1: goes, I'm leaving. Yeah, he just, he
0: just runs, just takes off. So Mason's chasing him. Rutger Hauer gets back to the cabin first. By the time Mason gets there, he sees a plane with its propellers going on the runway. So Mason runs to the plane and realizes no one's in the plane. And then Rutger Hauer has like basically doubled back and done a Mason to Mason. He's out Mason the Mason. He does. And by the time Mason realizes he's fallen for a trap, Rutger Hauer shoots the gas tank on the plane, makes it explode presumably killing Mason.
1: Mason goes flying, gets knocked out.
0: Yeah. Rutger Howard gets in the second plane and then flies off. So then cut to 3 days 3 like? days later in Seattle.
1: My favorite part of this is he's um Rutger Howard's in his office getting like his extra passports, his multiple passports. Yeah. All his bags ready, and he keeps on getting phone calls from the Wolf family's mom. Yes. So she's like, "Hey, um I haven't heard from my husband and my son." <laughs> yeah For like f- three days ago they were supposed to be home like i'm getting worried it's like they're fucking dead oh they're dead and then you just ignore her you don't have to worry about her anymore i just thought that was a nice little touch of like this woman be like hey i'm worried about my my husband and my son where are they
0: so Rutger Hauer is disguising himself as a jewish like father or something like a yeah. a medicine like like an i don't even know what you would call it it's like this russian orthodox pre i don't know it's like this it's it's this really
1: religious person
0: outlandish for considering that like he's supposed to be laying low presumably that he's looking to escape the country he's got like the most over-the-top costume and it just cuts to him looking in a mirror like stenciling in his a beard and like redoing his eyebrows
1: using his just for men
0: yeah yeah using his little little, uh in comb to to darken his mustache when when he walked out of his his apartment or wherever it was,
1: he goes to try to use his car, but clearly like his car isn't working because Mason's fucked it up because Mason's back. Yeah. And as as Howard is walking through the alley, he gets he gets scared by this little old lady and she is like, oh hi. And she calls him father as well. yeah She's
0: yeah
1: like, Hi, father. And he says like, oh hi, my child. And they have like a little back and forth. And then eventually she asks for some spare change and he's like, fucking beat it.
0: Yeah. He's like, fuck off, bum. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Excuse me, father.
0: God bless you, child. Could you spare a little change? I'm homeless. Get lost. Stupid asshole. So he's walking and then Mason starts taunting him. But now they're in like like the way it's set up is that like now they're in Mason's environment. Like they're in they're in like the streets and the alleys.
1: And this is because Mason has dreadlocks and he still has, like, all of his army fatigue. Like, it looked like a scene from Predator 2. Yeah. Of Danny Glover fighting the Predator in the alleys. Yeah. Like, that's what it really reminded me of. Yeah. I mean, it probably has no
0: parallels, but yeah. Well, I think it's got, it's got parallels. The obvious parallels is that, like, Ice-T's black and has dreadlocks and is wearing, like, camouflage clothes. And then the character of the Predator is, like, darker, has dreadlocks, and is wearing camouflage. Yeah. Which... Yeah, they get into a fight. And then Mason has like his gun drawn on him. He just throws it away. And he's just like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not bad like you. So then as soon as he starts to walk away, Rutger Hauer goes and like chases the gun down.
1: Yeah, M- Mason disarmed it through the
0: magazine away. Popped out the last bullet. Yeah. So Ruckerhauer runs and he finds the bullet in the rifle. And then he loads it up and he goes to shoot Mason in the back. And then Mason, like a callback from the start of the movie. Mason goes, whenever you pick up a gun, or before you shoot a gun, make sure you check the barrel. Yeah. And then the camera zooms into the barrel of the gun and Mason's like filled it with shit. (laughs) And then Ruckerhauer shoots the gun and it just like explodes in his hands, and then Rupert Howard just disappears into smoke. Yeah,
1: and Mason just walks away, and it just fades the credits. When Mason's like, make sure you check the barrel, it's him whispering it. Like, make sure, yeah. make sure you check the
0: barrel. Yeah.
1: So some of the fun facts for this movie that we discussed um, while we were watching it is that the movie had a $7.4 million budget. The U.S. box office was $7.7 million.
0: It's Just right on the edge there, yeah. So th-
1: this might... Like, I don't even know, if, was this in Canadian theaters as well? Usually, I assume they um, put Canada with the U.S. numbers. Yeah,
0: I'm assuming it got a...
1: The other thing that I have about this movie is, this is ripped from, like, IMDb or yeah. whatever, is that the film received most mostly negative reviews. It currently holds a 25% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with an average rating of 4.3 out of 10. I think that's unfair. It's, it's a fine movie, but it's it's a one and done type thing like you saw it many times over tbs which is fair
0: yeah i think the movie's a bit better than that like i think this movie's interesting for the budget that it was shot on and the fact that it has some interesting locations like going from the streets and then making it um making the primary setting like the the woods in washington state
1: I know that when I was looking up the budget I said, Do you how much do you think this movie costs? And you're like fourteen million?
0: I don't think I was that it was i I'm not wasn't that yeah, far off. It was double. <laughs> well it was double. Well sorry, like,
1: half of what you said. But yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't that was a fair guess. But it wasn't like I was like, Oh this like fifty million dollars. Exactly. We
1: filmed it in the woods like
0: Yeah, and I like that's that's what I always loved about this movie is it has the charm of like it's literally uh the production in the woods. Like, you knew that, like, they were just camped out in trailers in the woods at, like, a trailer park somewhere, and then they would, like, walk 10 minutes into the woods and shoot. I think it kind of has that charm of, like, if this was shot anywhere else, if this movie was made now, it w- and it had, like, uh, a musician in the starring role, you know that the musician would have sang... The theme, song. the theme song or the closing song and this movie this there i it's near the start of the movie the score to this movie isn't bad it reuses i i don't know what the name of the song is but it's a it's a it's a track from like another movie that's set in the woods or the mountains and it's kind of like this it's the song that's it's the it's the score that's playing when they fly in with Mason and it's Mason like seeing the wilderness from the plane for the first time
1: I don't even remember any of the music. It's there as an, almost like an ambient thing.
2: Yeah. You're
0: not focused on it. Exactly. But it does get better as the movie goes on. Like the, there's a a couple of score pieces when Mason's walking around in the city where it's like this like weird jazzy track and it's just kind of odd. But yeah, if they made this movie now and it had a musician or, or whoever playing the title role, they would have been like, I'll do it. Like if the, like if this was a Will Smith movie, it's like, I'll do it, but I want to sing that like that. And it's kind of interesting to see a movie where like the, the, the main character isn't like, I'll do it, but I want to sing. I want, I want the soundtrack to be like my new album. Uh, that's interesting. And then also if they made this movie now, you know, that they wouldn't just film it in Washington state. They would be like, Oh, we film this movie and like, a mountain range in Iceland where we needed to actually climb a mountain every day to get to set. And it's like, no one gives a shit about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you, when you hear about some of these movies where they're like, we filmed it in some of the most remote locations on earth. You're just like, why? It's like, why? Yeah.
1: So I would recommend everyone who's listening to watch this movie. So for ranking, I know where I'm going to be setting this movie. This is going to be my new number four. Wow. Which um goes right under Far Cry and right above Fair Game.
0: For me, I'm going to put this movie this is gonna be my new number six. So it's right above the Dragon Ball movie we watched and right below Jaws three.
1: So we have no listener mail, no new Patreons. <laughs> That's probably gonna be a recurring thing. But yeah, if yeah. yeah send us mail. Go to go to the website, akinogarbage dot There's a contact us where you can stuff even if you've already wrote mail in so rob write some more if you want (laughs) (laughs) colton write some yeah you'll be so excited to hear your name that's it for this episode this is the end of september right now Mm -hmm. which means next month is october what does that mean it's going to be shocktober
0: it's going to be Shocktober. it's going to be our halloween themed
1: month where you're going to get Halloween movies, comics. We probably do... Like, I have, I have Halloween TV show compilation DVDs. So if you like Nickelodeon cartoon shows... <laughs> Cody wants to watch Twitches. I told him I don't want to see Twitches.
0: Is a Twitch a Twin witch? Oh,
1: it's a twin witch.
0: Twin witch. Okay. Yeah, they're bad. What are... I?
1: they're some fucking shitty like family channel movie my, okay my girlfriend danielle has like she has a bunch she loves halloween so she has these halloween movies like um toil toil trouble double i don't fucking like the mary kate
0: nashley yeah. olsen one oh, okay okay
1: thanks everyone for listening and hopefully we have good shocktober episodes for you
0: yeah thanks for listening and uh tune in for the halloween stuff we're gonna do as
1: always, you can find us online through our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, both at A Kind of Garbage. You can also email us at A Kind of at gmail.com with any questions or comments you may have. Be sure to check us out at A Kind of where you can find links to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages, as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash A Kind of Garbage, where you can get access to our private Discord channel and Patreon exclusive podcasts. Thank you again for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time. So we went to the gym today for the first time in three months. How was it, Cody?
0: <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really, like during all this pandemic stuff, I haven't really gone out to too much. I'm just, I've kind of stayed in. I've ordered a lot of stuff in. Like if I've gotten food, it's been, I know like restaurants are open now, but it's outdoor seating and all this other stuff. So I haven't really gone anywhere. And I know that that was something I was thinking about. And as were you. How the hell is a gym going to run during a pandemic? So we went today to find out. Well, I've been to the gym last week, I think I started going back, for 5, like, wake up at
1: 5.30, get there at 6 for 6 a.m. classes. Yeah. Which kill me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, it was interesting to see, like, you you have to schedule everything ahead of time, and you have to wear masks and wipe everything down, and you're not allowed to use machinery next to other people, which was a little frustrating, but it was nice, like seeing how deserted the gym like yeah it was nice like it was not crowded at all
1: yeah doing the bench press being like okay i'm I'm not gonna put it on my full amount of weight that that we used to do like three four months ago so i put like 20 pounds less and i was like it was it was super easy to the point where when i went down i smacked it off my chest really hard nice you didn't see that but i was like oh and then just hear your sternum (laughs) crack I did like 10 reps and I put it back on, but then I added um, 20 more pounds on and then that was heavy. Mm-hmm. So it was like 10 pounds less than we, like I used to do when we yeah. went back in the months. So going to build up those muscles again, l- lose the COVID-19 pounds.
0: Yeah. It's my Corona pouch. Oh my God. <laughs>